Hey, how's it going, guys and gals? Welcome back to this week's episode of Cartridge to Cloud, our newest show here on INN. We're actually rebranded it from the Insider Gaming News Talk Show. I'm your host, Lifeshifter X, with Captain Tutu and uh, House Hendo. Welcome, everybody. What's up, everyone? How's Glad everybody to be doing? back. How's everybody been? Oh, it's been a minute, man. It's been a minute. So as you notice, we're not doing our uh, webcams this time. Uh, for this season, we're actually going to be focusing on... Uh, mostly just talking about it. It's going to be mostly podcast format, but we're also broadcasting it live for here on Twitch. Um, but it will be on podcast form, YouTube, and so on and so forth. Uh, but today, got a lot of co cool topics coming up. Um, I'm pretty excited about everything. Uh, just about what's going on. We've got uh, NVIDIA GeForce Now. We're going to be talking about what's going on with them uh, as their services launched and what has happened in the meantime. Um, games are booming right now. Uh, on our current climate, we've got uh, games hitting all kinds of new records, uh, basically out of nowhere, which is pretty crazy. Um, and also, we're going to be talking about uh, the E3 cancellation and what that's going to mean for our our whole like industry and whatnot, like how that's going to change things, hopefully, uh, with how that's presented in the future. Um, but Hendo, go ahead and take off on the uh, GeForce Now. Uh, yeah, GeForce Now, uh, to those of you who don't know, uh, NVIDIA has always had the service called GeForce Now. It's basically their own cloud gaming service. Um, everybody has access to it if you basically use the GeForce Experience uh, package that comes with your graphics card. But what's been going on with them lately is that a lot of developers have become anti-GeForce Now because unlike Epic and a few other streaming services, they don't have as many perks. So what's going on is kind of like a DRM scheme. It's really a, a quagmire right now because the only real reason they have to not like GeForce now is out of spite. And at least in my personal opinion, from what I've seen, the platform it works quite good. It works a lot better than the current ones being promoted for cloud gaming. Uh, somebody in, in there is more familiar with those other attempts than I am. Oh yeah, I mean it's a, it's a really good service though. I mean, like it it uses all the the current services you use for PC gaming basically, and brings them all together where you can play them in a cloud gaming environment. Which surprisingly, from what we've seen, is actually beating um, Stadia and it's like performance and lag input tests, which is pretty crazy. It's like half of what Stadia is. Um, yeah. But some of the, the the big appealing parts to it is it was a free service up until if you're in the beta up until recently, and then the founders get. Uh, three free months, I believe. The people who originally were in the test for longer than a year, I think it was, or something like that. And basically, you got it at a discounted rate for the first year if you wanted to. Um, now, the service itself isn't really that expensive, which is kind of good. Um, I can't remember what what do you do. You guys remember what it was off the top of your head? I want to say like five bucks. Yeah, yeah, I, I was I like, say, yeah, it was like five ninety nine. I think it was specifically like yeah, just under six bucks, like. Yeah, it was like a super, super cheap service, like for a great price. And I, I, I literally couldn't complain. Yeah, so it's Founders is with four ninety nine a month for 12 months. Priority access extended okay, uh, session length, RTX on, which you get all the fancy extra features of that. And then you get a free 90 day introductory period. Um, oh, sweet. OK, so it's it's five dollars a month, but you get 90 days to try it out pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so they kind of got like. Yeah, they kind of got like a Netflix subscription model, except for video games, which I don't mind at all. Cause <laughs> those of us, you know, well, I know all three of us remember this, but those of you who are in the chat join us right now may not remember this, but there was a company called Gamefly 
that used to do this model. And I think that's where GeForce is going. Well, GameFly was quite revolutionary. It was, it was yeah. you know, it was the I Netflix thought you were of video bring games. It way back to uh, to Blockbuster. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> I was I was trying to keep it cloud at least, yeah, yeah, or at yeah. least distributing regularly. But yeah, no, it's, I, I I still have memories of those late fees and all my allowance <laughs> going to them. Oh man, that it was it was pretty bad. Yeah, what was it like five bucks every two days? It was it was something crazy. Like I I just yeah, it was pretty wild, man. But yeah, uh, this whole GeForce Now thing is there. There's an issue with when it comes to like kickbacks, and technically, when you buy the 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 issue that's going on with GeForce is developers, some not all, don't want to let you just cloud save your game over to GeForce. They actually want you to buy an additional copy of their game to play on GeForce Now. That's really the crux of the issue going on with it. Yeah. yeah, that's really stupid. I think that's the thing that's kind of preventing like me and most other people from like investing into Stadia right now because it's like you already own all these games, so why would you want to buy it a second time just to play it through the cloud? Like that's completely stupid, completely redundant to me. And so what GeForce Now is doing is like really cool, and uh, it's pretty much the way it should be. You know, as you said before, like Netflix for video games, like your whole library is already there to just tap into and play at any time you know any device pretty much now now to me like what it how did i know i know what the biggest features are for some of the stuff for like stadia but what do you like i know what do you guys feel like is the biggest reason why stadia might be failing now versus why geforce now would succeed in that case well geforce already has the infrastructure you know it's a program that was originally designed to work with your graphics card to enhance your games to begin with it was made from the ground up while Stadia is a, you know, is Google's latest tech exercise, you know, it's their video game version of Google Glass, in my opinion. Like, it's a roundabout good technology. It's just being applied wrong completely by Google. Yeah, I think they're I think they're they're trying to trying to make it its own platform, which is I don't think is what people want anymore. People don't want platform segregation. They don't want to feel like, oh, my God, like we're going to going to make this new platform and it's going to kick ass but it's not cross-platform so like so with the industry leading into being cro- more cross-platform and being able to play with anybody regardless of what platform you're on and them to go make another platform that's not cross-compatible is kind of stupid i think well, well i agree with you and i think really google it's purely ignorance i feel like somebody that i feel like who's ever in charge of stadia like keeping it going like on the executive level is thinking of the video game industry 15 years ago yeah, you know where you yeah. still could where you still could launch a new console. Technically, in two thousand five, you could still technically get away with launching something new. Nowadays, like you know, you were just talking about cross save. The old guard has basically rounded the wagons. <laughs> you know, they're like, we're gonna play just nice enough to prevent any real competition from coming out from like a new, new, new console. So that's why I think Stadia was trying to do to like, okay, we can't make a physical console like Microsoft did. But we can break into this cloud gaming stuff, and I don't think they've managed it at all well. <laughs> to me, I just feel like Stadia has really got the messaging wrong, like right from the jump. Um, not only that, but just like even the the previews beforehand, like they didn't pan out too well, and just like you know, like every bit of news like leading up to launch just got worse and worse and worse for Stadia. To where I feel like a lot of people that were initially excited 
like uh, you and myself, Life Shifter, we kind of just tapped out of it. We're just like, ah, okay, we'll see what happens next, pretty much. Yeah, yeah like did have- we were no, all super. It. We were all super excited at the beginning about Stadia, and then it, like as more things came out, yeah, you're right. We were we were just like the, the interest declined because it did. It was supposed to be a competitor. They were first saying they were a competitor to GeForce Now, and very, their very first statement when they started uh, launching the whole thing during their uh, big presentation or whatever. And then as more came out, and then the more it was going to be its own platform, everybody's like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But go, continue, Hendo. At, at, at this point, it's just really hard to compete with, you know, PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo. Uh, super hard. And I feel like they they shouldn't have done that. But, you know, we're here already. Yeah, and, and not to mention, their their hype train was very, very weird. Like, that Acid Trip commercial they spammed everywhere made no sense no i didn't oh, yeah the no, one like, that was revealed at uh game awards you're talking about yeah the, guy with the crazy oh, hair wearing the suit yeah. just you know, just you know it was like wes anderson on a nasa trip producing a commercial i don't know what was going on there i don't know i that that was the whole thing like and at, like i said as as more things came out and then it was weird because all the big promises they made for launch day like slowly but surely like over half of that stuff got rolled back which kind of sucks so that was another thing that was killing me like the game library was supposed to be what like 50 games long or something like you know 50 games deep or something on launch day and ended up being 24 which was kind of a weird thing too and then he had a myriad of different things that kept getting cut out or dropped down like it's still not truly 4k which is something they promised on launch day and that's that's some that's a huge thing for people like let's be honest the soldier boy console did better after being sued from nintendo than stadia did <laughs> right <laughs> that was kind of a random one too i know but it, let's be honest you know when it comes to like launching crazy stuff unprepared soldier boy did a better job than google if we look at it even after being sued by nintendo which should let google know maybe they should stick to you know smart cars and search engines and yeah. running youtube now, 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 going back on like like GeForce Now, like some of the companies that have pulled out of the pulled their games out, and they're all been for a variety of different reasons so far, which is kind of the weird thing. Two um, K pulled out their games, saying they didn't ever have permission for it. Uh, Activision pulled it out because they didn't like the service after the fact that they were putting a paywall behind, uh, in front of it, which was another kind of a weird one because I they knew everybody knew from the get go that GeForce Now was eventually become going to become a paid service when it launched. We didn't know when that was because they never actually set a timeline for it. And it just kind of all of a sudden was like, it's out of beta. Here you go, guys. Um, but that was kind of a weird one. Like Activision, I, have, I feel like Activision Blizzard is still like still continually making mistakes with their their, you know, fans. I don't know. Well, I think it, I, I think this is mainly motivated by greed and post epic uh, store launch because epic, I think, is also one of the main reasons why his developers are being a lot more aggressive with uh, GeForce now because they want more of a share. They're like, oh, you want to pay service? We want more money. Yeah. And oh. even in the, like, the terms of service, you see that like some of these, uh, you know, companies put that, you know, they won't allow like unauthorized third-party applications to like stream their games and whatnot. So yeah, that, and that's another big one. Yeah. There's also like rumors rumbling, just rumor, but that uh, Blizzard, Blizzard, Activision, Blizzard, they're planning their own like cloud streaming service. Which was, yeah, that was another big one that was behind that, too. Um, yeah. And that's another thing. Like, so Blizzard, Epic has now finally started this whole war. Like, I was, I, we've been talking about Blizzard on and off for like a year now, I think, even with uh, the Insider. Um, how 
Epic is really, I think I said Blizzard, but Epic, Epic's really made this, this competitive market for developers wanting to go and put their platforms on their, or their games on their platform. And it's caused this like feud between Steam and Epic and they kind of have to trade on which one's bigger, right? Like Epic still has a pretty big player base, but Steam, I still think has the biggest player base overall for like people that are actually using it and the availability of games and, and the fact that everything has already been there for years, but kind of going on this whole like GeForce now thing, they are uh, with Stadia. They're not offering any percentage back. Like it's like next, like less than 10% or something, which is what one of the uh, news was reporting. So I'm like, why, why would anybody want to support Stadia? If Epic's giving you, was it at 75 or 80%? Of your earnings exactly. plus a bonus to even jump onto the platform to begin with. And exactly. So that goes along with a whole nother myriad of different things, you know, wrong with Stadia. Like it's if they're really not- stupid too, because you know, Google has loads and loads of money. So like it's like, why aren't they paying like these devs enough to put their games onto Stadia? I'll tell you exactly why. I, this is actually one of the things that frustrates me the most about Google. Google tries to clone Microsoft. You know how Microsoft will like set apart a whole division and give them 10 years to come up with something cool? Yeah. Well, that's what Google wants, but they're doing it like DC tries to copy Marvel in the movies. They try to rush it, and this is what we get at Stadia. Yeah, yeah. true. I mean, and, and there's no reason that... that uh... Google should be trying to do this too. They should be playing it smart. I mean, they have all the money and the resources in the world to do, you know, whatever they want with the service and they, they shouldn't be trying to push it this hard. Like there's yeah, no reason is, for it. Yeah. This is the problem. Like they kind of do like a shark tank thing at Google. Like you kind of like pitch an idea during a board meeting and they give you like six months in a small team and a couple million dollars. It's just how they work in Silicon Valley with Google and Facebook does the same thing too. That's how they did their whole Facebook gaming nonsense. Yeah. You know, it's just they're all trying to, you know, they're all trying to copy their predecessors that inspired them to begin with. You know, this right now is just Google and Facebook are trying to do what Microsoft did, you know, when they came out with that Xbox and started doing, you know, Microsoft games and they just dominate PC gaming and made the first really successful American console. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, too, is like when you go and you're creating a new, a brand new game or a brand new system in a brand new market with trying to do the whole cloud gaming, which is what everybody, everybody really wants to go towards anyway. Like nobody wants to do the downloads, you know, the long waiting time, the long updates or anything like that. Right. Like cloud gaming seems like the perfect example of doing it, but why would you go and screw your developers and the people that want to bring stuff on a brand new platform, mind you, that has never had any real stuff behind it, aside of the fact that it's Google and knowing Google's history of, of canceling things, then it's like, oh, then it just goes out the door because nobody gives a shit because they're not they don't think that Google's actually going to sustain the product because Google Google has thrown away more projects than any other company I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, if, it, if it's not advertisement gold for their primary business, it doesn't last. Yeah. Basically, like, the only reason like Google, like Google, the only reason Google still owns YouTube, even though they haven't made a profit off it since they made it is because it's amazing advertisement for almost everything else they have. Yeah, it's 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 not a it's not a worthy thing. Now, on the on the opposite side, uh, going back to the GeForce now is at least the Cyberpunk devs have actually announced that uh, Cyberpunk 2077 will actually be available on GeForce now day one. 
So it was kind of the weird thing during beta when you when you actually had a new game that was coming, it would take anywhere between a day to three weeks to show up on GeForce Now if they got it on there. And you're playing it on like the latest, you know, um, GeForce Now or NVIDIA cards and to begin with. So it's like, man, you get a huge bonus plus super low latency. I mean, oh, yeah, like we've all played it, I think, at some point. Um, one of our old streamers actually used to exclusively stream from GeForce Now as a platform. Like that's the only way he got gaming going because he was playing on like an older, older Mac and whatnot. And I was like, that you know, that's pretty impressive. I, I yeah. know for me personally, I extru- like exclusively played the Division Two through uh, GeForce Now, and it ran so smooth. Oh yeah, I mean it's a super super smooth uh, platform to play on though. And that's and that's another reason too why I believe CD Projekt Red and a lot of the Eastern European developers have been more friendly with GeForce Now. I think it's just because of availability of that service and how good it is actually in Europe and overseas compared to its American contemporaries. Yeah. And also a lot of those companies aren't that greedy. You know, a lot of these are small, like CD Projekt Red was never a huge company. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of these smaller companies that are not being greedy and have crazy ideas of grandeur are just being like, Hey, GeForce now it's a good service. Yeah. Let's do this. It's good business. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, and it's been in testing for like, I think it was seven years is what they've said. Like, it's been out a while now, and people have been yeah, using really? it. Yeah. Like, it's been in beta for seven years. I've been in it for four. So. <laughs> Whoa. Jeez. I, I didn't realize it went back that far. Oh, I mean, yeah. I just had it, like, what, last year? Yeah. I think it's when I told you about it, too, right? Like, when you're yeah, having yeah. certain problems with games? Yeah. Yeah, because that's why, yeah, I had so much trouble, like, streaming the Division tool on my uh, PC. So I was just like, you know what? Screw it. Let me just go through GeForce now. And it was ran like a dream. So smooth. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I remember using it on beta when I was on active duty on my uh, old Toshiba laptop back in the day. That thing was great. <laughs> now, could you imagine if they expanded GeForce Now to be like, um, to include console gaming on top of that and be like an all-in-one shop for it? Could you imagine what a service well, like that would look like? These these console, you know, we got xCloud coming. I'm sure PlayStation is cooking up something. Nintendo's even testing uh cloud gaming over in uh japan though sadly not here well yeah that's that's the like uh a, that's a microsoft thing right the, the partnership with microsoft doing using azure well, I, I i don't know about nintendo but i know that um sony and, and microsoft are partnering up with cloud gaming oh yeah that's right that's right yeah like like that's what i was actually kind of alluding to earlier with that whole like rounding the wagons of the old guard you know sony and microsoft are playing so aggressively nice with each other it's you know creating like like a seawall of like the gaming industry right now yeah you kind of have to though in this market anymore i mean more people just want to play together they don't care what platform they're on you know like the whole like console wars and stuff like that is finally you know kind of dying down like everybody has their preference still i'm sure with like the controllers or the UI or whatever have you. Like, I mean, for me personally, I'm a PC gamer at heart. Like I've always loved PC gaming more than consoles. However, I've owned all all the consoles up to this point and I still play them all. But I like the fact that it's finally tearing down some of those walls and people are just playing together. Like, I think that's why COD is doing so well too, which is going to be actually one of our upcoming topics here in a minute. It's It's got a huge following because it's cross-play and it doesn't matter what platform you're on. You all can play together and do whatever you want, which is and the like best part of the whole thing. And everybody from like 14 to 40 knows what COD is. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now going on to our next topic, uh, our gaming done big, which is actually going to be talking a little bit about um, 
kind of like how the industry is getting a gaming boost right now. Uh, a lot of people are, are working from home or out of school or so on and so forth just because of the climate right now. And the gaming industry is getting a huge boom from this. Like uh, Steam actually hit at 20 million concurrent users at one time, which is a, a record it hasn't hit for a few years. Um, not just because anyway, it's just spread out throughout the day, but so many people are home. And it's just like, bam, all of a sudden 20 million people. And then even Counter-Strike Go, one of their, I think it's, how old is Counter-Strike Go now? That's CSGO? a record they, they never hit. Yeah, actually. that's a record they never hit. Was Yeah, they hit a million uh, concurrent players at one time on Counter-Strike. They have never touched that number. They say, I think their highest was like 500K. Five or six hundred K came out in 2012. Yeah, so for an eight-year-old game, hitting a million concurrent players is definitely a feat worth talking about. Yes. Um, um but, but I, I wanna I wanna just usher caution though. With a boom in gaming, with development and all this stuff, I want everybody watching the show to be incredibly mindful that dirty devs are still out there. There will be people that will try to jump on this as opportunities, they'll make CSGO clones. They'll make all kinds of stuff. I want everybody to be vigilant and not think this is just like a, another golden era. Because when people start working from home... Sorry, I didn't realize that. Sorry, I had a little sound issue on my side. Um, people don't realize that this is like the perfect opportunity when those like shady Kickstarters start showing up. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that, like... that Kickstarters, I'm hoping, is like finally people have gotten over that phase of Kickstarters. But yeah, and I was going to say, I feel like nowadays people can see through the BS really clearly. And of course, you know, the cream always rises to the top and all of those, you know, crappy games, people see through it. Well, we do. Well, we know. Agreed, Tutu. And we do have the fortunately, at least in recent past two years, the number of channels that just are dedicated to exposing these horrible business practices on the Steam store. Have, yeah. have been doing great. I just want everybody to be mindful that those channels exist and check them out before you buy anything new from a new indie gamer that comes out of this, you know, work at home biz. Because, you know, somebody's going to try to be like, well, you know, since I was stuck at home and I'm a part time game dev, I decided to come out with this game and throw a whole bunch of Unity assets in there and try to say it's original. <laughs> yeah, I, it's pretty wild. Um, now going on, that, to, that's all I wanted to go to. Go ahead. On top of our, our games doing great. Uh, we were just talking about, uh, COD. Now COD itself has actually done really well. It hit its 15 million concurrent users plus since the time it came out, which was just this, what, Tuesday, this past Tuesday and uh, Warzone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Warzone. So Warzone, sorry, not, not COD as a whole, but our modern warfare, but Warzone. So the newest battle Royale has actually peaked over 15 million concurrent users in the first week, which is something that it uh, previously held, I think it was 10 million in the first week held by Apex Legends. Now, to me, like I was just saying, cross-platform, I think, is the reason why this game in its BR has done so well is because everybody can play together. It doesn't matter what platform you're on. As long as you're given well, on one of the three main ones, you're you're in, basically. There's, there's cross-platform, and then the fact that, you know, Call of Duty, of course, is a household name at this point, you know, Everybody in their mama knows what Call of Duty is, whereas Apex was a brand new IP, you know, from the ground up. And it took some time pretty much, you know, to become a household name that we know it. As. But still, it, it is in nowhere near as uh, big as Call of Duty is. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll go on to, too. That, this is the thing, too. Apex really is the new kid on the block. When it comes to this stuff, which I, I think, you know, even though COD is beating it out, I don't think the achievements of Apex should really be lessened. It's going up against a bigger dog. 
Yeah. You know, it's been around for a while. It's like a puppy going up against like a seven-year-old shepherd. It's going to get messed up. Uh, one, of, one of the things I wish that COD would do at this point is like not do yearly releases because I we could all see like yearly releases aren't their biggest thing anymore. I mean, they do sell, but the player base drops off so quick now compared to like other games. Like, I mean, even Apex Legends has got, still got a huge you know player base. Um, even... Uh, Fortnite still has a huge player base, but player base, but they're also on way more platforms. I mean, they're connected with what six platforms now? I think total. Everything. Yeah, it's like phone, uh, Switch, PS4, Xbox, PC. Yeah. Is there anything else I'm missing? I think it's just a, oh, yeah, it's just a five, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, and and Carnos is right. Like the the Dust Five One Four tried so hard to be a cross platform, and they actually had it pretty close, I think. They and did. I kind of wish. I, I actually... kind of wish. I wish they would stuck with it. A, I bought a PS3 Slim because it came with Dust 514 and like Uncharted 3 or 2. I can't remember. But it they I actually liked it. It worked pretty well on the on the PlayStation's um you know operating system. I thought CCP actually did something really good, but then they started nerfing everything and it just got ridiculous and the community died off. Well, and and then they did it close to the end of the PS3's life cycle too, which was kind of a bad decision, I thought. Like everybody said that too. It's like, "Well, why don't you your your, your player base is on PC? Like, you have an MMO on PC, why not keep it on PC?" Oh, well, we want to sure. move it away from, you know, give open up another market and all that. I'm like, "No, like bring it on PC. People will play on PC. People will do both." Like these hardcore people at the time would have done both easily. I mean, yeah, I hope just, they still I do it. Uh, it was very ambitious. It, to me, Dust 514 was kind of like a microcosm of like kind of what Dreamcast was. It was a little ahead of its time without the infrastructure. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, I mean, it it could definitely still be done. I mean, even in the Eve game right now, there's still tons and tons of the of connections to uh, Dust still. And I, I hope one day they're going to eventually use it and bring it to a PC game, which is what they were trying to do, but now has been mysteriously canceled again, and we have no idea what's going to be happening with it. But going back on the COD topic, um, what do you all think? Like, they, they released Warzone later. They never announced Modern Warfare with a Battle Royale. What do you think that's going to change their mind in terms of Battle Royales? Like, you think they're just going to keep making a new one every time they make a COD now because it's been Black Ops 4 and now they're doing one in Modern Warfare, even though it came out, you know, much later? Yeah, it's going to go the way of Nazi zombies for sure. Well, I, I think there's something significant to be made from the fact that this is like free to play, which is really unprecedented. Like, I did not see that coming. I feel like a lot of people didn't see that coming. Um, and even if you go on to the, uh, the Black Ops page, like if you go to Black Ops page, they're advertising Warzone right now. So they're trying to get those folks to move over to Warzone. Um, I really hope that they continue to like refine Warzone and kind of, uh, get ideas from Fortnite, of course, and make like a, events and all these crazy stuff, like map changes and things like that. Um, like I would love to just have like Warzone, like, like a Warzone focus kind of Call of Duty for the next year, two years, instead of like having, you know, a Black Ops, uh, five and the Modern Warfare 2 come out the following year. Um, but yeah, it, you know, yeah, that's where we're going right now. So, I mean, I, if, if they win on like, I think they said Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare already outsold Black Ops 4. Like I could totally see them living out, writing out Modern Warfare for a whole nother year, realistically. Yeah. And and like just kind of do a bi yearly thing. And I mean, if their next game didn't work out, bam, they can make another one if they really wanted to. I mean, they've got two development studios for that reason, right? 
But well, the, I think it's getting to that point where we're are yeah three. So I mean, we're getting to the point where we're pretty fatigued from all these different you know Call of Duties or yearly titles aside of the sports titles, which everybody loves. But but for COD, like Assassin's Creed hit that fatigue too, where they're not releasing games every year again. They tried that for a couple of years and they realized it was just way too hard to do, which is good. So I I don't know what uh, what they want, but uh, well, fatigue with this franchise is real. Like um. I, I to be honest, full disclosure, I checked out playing Call of Duty games after Black Ops Three. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't blame you. But you know, there's just so much you can do with the modern war setting in the near past before it just becomes extremely redundant to a lot and just extremely comfortable for a very sizable chunk. Hence, why they reach these numbers because you know it's what you know. It's kind of one of the reasons why, for instance, we all you know most of us play Eve Online. It's one of the reasons that's persisted so long. Because it's the monster we know. Yeah. Now, now going into the talking a little bit about mechanics before we move on to our other topic. Um, how do you guys feel about the respawn system in the new modern war or the war zone? It's like awesome. how they do how they do the gulag and yeah, it's really cool. Like as you said when we were playing yesterday, like it uh, it's a lot less stressful than other battle royale games because. You know, you, you know, you can factor in the gulag, the whole gulag feature, and the fact that you can come back after, you know, killing an opponent. And, uh, like, that's really cool. And then on top of that, you know, you can, like, um, save up enough money and respawn in your teammates after they die, which is really awesome, too. And I know other games do that now, like Fortnite does it now, and Apex does it. Um, but, you know, the, w- the way that Call of Duty does it is just really cool and different. I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I definitely think they they changed up the formula with it. Like they didn't just release another battle Royale, which was nice. They used their, their gunfight option as basically a mini gunfight option built into the battle Royale, which like I said, like it took, it takes away that stress of dying in a battle Royale because you're like, Oh fuck. Now I got to wait for my friends to finish or he's going to drop out. And it, it, it releases that whole stress of trying to stay with your friends. If you're playing with your friends, like, you know, you, you're like, Oh man, all right, cool. I got another chance. And then all your buddies meet it in the gulag if you all, you know, you all died to a, bat, uh, a better team. And you're all like, hell yeah. And you can help each other, which is the crazy part, too. Like, if you're all in voice chat, you can help each other actually win your your gulag matches. And kind of do it until the last person is there, of course, and then they can't help you. But up until the point, the first two people that go out of your three-man team can actually help you get through it, throw rocks at the enemy or whatever, you know, which is kind of cool. I thought yeah, that was... I, I... Go ahead. You guys are doing a better advertisement than Activision to make me want to buy this game now. It's because free. I just I, I just never heard people talk so positively about gulags. I'm now curious. <laughs> right? It's free, man. Go it's free, it. yeah. Download it, yeah. Probably about to. It's worth it. It's it's my favorite thing so far is the uh is the whole gulag thing. Like it, it makes it it takes that stress away so much. Like it, it really definitely positively improves the experience. Yeah, especially yeah. for any of the gamers out there that are like me, where you just kind of suck at all competitive games and you kind of, uh, you know, hang back <laughs> throughout the whole entire match. But this one, like, I really feel like I don't need to hang back just because of that whole Gulag feature. It's so cool. Yeah, it, like, it brings like, out I that feel bravery. more like, like Leroy Jenkins or like Rambo. Like, I want to get into the action more. Okay, yeah. so... I'm just getting my mind blow from you guys talking about these gulags in this game. Like I'm, <laughs> it's it's changed the formula. That's for sure. Like, and it's something we've been so, talking so about. Is it like you, is it like you get dropped into like a camp with all your homies, and it's just oh no, like, yeah, you're, so... in, 
You're in the prison. Like, like it's been like legitimately like they put you like in a virtual gulag. that's just like a camp. You do like little do. side missions to get back. No, no, to the main no, no, no. Game, so it's it's no, no. Or... It's basically it puts you in a one v one gunfight with another person that's in the gulag. Yeah. So like it, everybody in the so, gulag so, goes in there. They get thrown in the gulag. You wait. Everybody who waits as the rounds are going through. It's like one v one. So they get in. You get a random weapon, and then you just go ham on each other. Usually it's a pistol or a shotgun. I haven't I haven't so, seen rifles yet. So this is one of the gulags personally built by Stalin then. Well, it's I've like not. a prison, so like every it's time you die. Well, yeah, I just mean like you this. drop in and it's just like a one v one fight on oh, I just find that hilarious for that concept. Yeah. yeah. It's a gulag thunderdome. I like, like people watching it throw rocks and crap like that and like fight oh, each other. And then and then yeah. the uh the people hanging inside could actually fist fight while you're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's great. It's the coolest feature. Nobody's by far. gonna play the nobody's gonna play the actual game. People are just gonna like shit post in the gulag. Yeah, well, you get forced out. Awesome. You get forced out at some point, but because either you win your match and you get back in, you a redeploy. gulag that kicks you out. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, I get kicked out of there so fast. I throw so many rocks and start so many fights. Oh man, it's it's crazy. Um, going on to our our big top story for today, uh, E three twenty twenty. Uh, it got canceled due to the current climate of everything going on right now. Um, now I know me and me and Tutu have talked a lot about this up this past week. Like, what are kind of some of the implications you you guys think is going to be uh, coming from E3 going digital or not having an event this year? I know we've we've had our ups and downs with E3 the last few years. Um, trying to discuss like what are they going to do? You know, Sony's dropped out. Um, they lost their their creative uh, four people, so they don't they're not gonna have they didn't have their actual like um, designers and everything for the floor the show floor and everything, and they also lost um, Jeff Knightley in the whole process. Jeff. So I'm not sad about Jeff to be honest. He he was a he was a personality. He he was a he was a corner, but I don't think he was essential. Yeah, that's just my personal opinion. I know a lot of people really liked him. I just, I, I could take him or leave him. What? Well, how did you? How do you guys feel about the, uh, about the whole convention even being dropped in the first place? You guys think it's going to have like a big, a big, um, um, like downside to it? Well, actually, uh, I, well, I think it's going to hurt people who like showing up in person, like that whole like in person community yeah. feel. I also feel like the companies are going to cut a crap ton of waste from not doing a physical expo. Like, yeah. think of like all the stuff they do. Like, I understand there there are going to be like entertainers, like models and dancers that will be put out of work temporarily until they can find another place to go without these big conventions. That's the other thing they like to do. It helps small artists. But I think the gaming companies are will improve because they waste a lot of time and money prepping for this. Like. How many dev hours do we lose because they're pre they're getting ready for a presentation at a con? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. always a demo they have to prepare. Usually, if they're doing something on the show floor, or they're preparing the video, or they're preparing certain features of the game that they want to talk about. The, the marketing and PR people are going crazy on the development team. It's just like exactly. a super super crazy time. Like I've always felt like conventions were always a kind of a drain on the video game community. I've always wanted video game companies kind of be like that one in Grandma's Boy. Where the gamers just, they just got, they're just in there doing their thing. No conventions. It's just, we're gaming all day. We're doing dev. You got the head dev in like a white room doing all crazy Matrix stuff. That's what I want. Yeah. I think without E3, we'll get closer to that. 
Well, and this is, and Karnas brings up a really good point. There's, there's a lot of people also in the, in the wake of this event closing is that they're losing their jobs or they're not, they're not getting an additional income this year from, you know, something they would have been planning for usually all like year. Me. Like, yeah. like, like Tutu, for example, like me. he usually works for Ubisoft, Ubisoft booth every year. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was, I was just going to say that, um, you know, the writing was on the wall about this whole like cancellation for E3 for a long time coming. Like, you know, Tommy said, Sony dropped out. Jeff Keighley dropped out. We have like these other smaller companies have been dropping out too. And, um, you know, uh, they were kind of, their, their hand was forced because of this current pandemic that's going on right now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, but you know, it's honestly the best thing that they could have done, of course, because E3 like houses so many damn people from all around the world. And, you know, you're just kind of asking for something to happen for an event like that, of course. Um, and like Hendo is 100% right on the money with everything he said, like, uh, devs don't have, you know, they'll, they'll be able to cut costs and, you know, they don't have to plan E3 and it won't like mess into development time for these games, which is amazing. Um, and even as someone who's worked E3 for the past like two years, um, you know, working with Ubisoft, like I can see how like stressed out they are and how like how crazy it is. But it's also like a celebration, you know, and they also they they love it and they have fun. You know, the fans come together and they have fun. Um, devs come together and they network and they they meet each other. And, you know, a lot of these smaller uh, companies, these smaller developers, they get their big come up as big deals from uh, networking through E3 and talking to, you know, big publishers like a Sony or a Ubisoft and this and that. Um and so for for those people, like I really feel for, and it's it sucks that you know they won't have that kind of those connections this year. And, you yeah, know, like I, yeah, like I mentioned opportunities. too. Like I mentioned too, all the entertainers and like you know, Karn is talking about the professionals that you know they're going to be in limbo for the next six months as these cancellations yeah. come and go, and it's going to be tough for them, and I feel for them, but I also feel like they're going to find better opportunities. In, in the wake of this, because I know a lot of people who've been presenters and stuff and they like convention circuits have ended. Expo have like completely stopped doing them and they go to other friends and they end up finding better ventures doing what they love still. Yeah, I, th I definitely so, think there's going to be a lot of a lot of positives that are also going to come out. I mean, it's unfortunate that people had to actually lose their jobs in the wake of it being canceled and a lot of other events for that matter currently being canceled. Um, but for E3 in specific, I think it's going to actually boom in a way that it's going to take that pressure off the developers from having to go and do everything for this one week, which I've always heard from different game companies. Like um, when I worked for SOE and SCEA, when they were still doing E3 presentations back then, that it was actually one of the worst times of the year for them because they didn't like to have to drop everything they were doing to work on the stuff for E3. And then they would basically get back to normal operations after E3 or once the build and all that stuff was done. So it was always a yes. kind of a mixed bag or a different story for everybody. But I think that, the company's not spending all that money to go to a convention, which they lose some of the other stuff, but they're also going to gain more fans going to want to tune in and see what their big reveals are and, and so on and so forth. But I think the, the power of the spread of word that it's not going to be directly through E3, or if it is, I don't know if they're still going to pull this whole, you know, digital presentation thing they were talking about. If they pull that off, it'll be a good thing. But if not, and these companies just go, Hey, we're just going to do our own thing. Then, we might see E3 actually go away in the next few years because of it. Yeah. I honestly yeah, and, feel like 
Microsoft is going to be one to like really kind of step away from E3 because of this. Like I, I, I have like a strong feeling they're going to be the first ones and we're going to see like more companies like follow suit. They d- they don't need them. Like yeah, Microsoft really could do their own convention and it would do perfectly fine. They can do Microsoft. Yeah, they the all Sony does their own conventions, I think, in yeah, Japan. PSX. No, they do well, they've done PSX, but they canceled, I think, the last like two years. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, that's their own convention that they do. Microsoft and, has the one too. They uh the XO events that, that go on every year. It's like the end of the year. Oh yeah. And, and just and just in general with all these concerts now, across all boards, video games, comic books, movies and TV cons, I think Long term, it'll be good because I think these cons and their schedules have gotten ridiculous in recent years. I think six months to a year of breather would actually do organizers a world of good and make 2021 probably a way better year than it could have been. Oh, absolutely. Because I've done conventions myself. As you guys know, you know, me personally, I, I do like comic book conventions and stuff working with nonprofits, you know. Those organizers are some of the most stressed out people I have met, and that's including my time in combat zones. Damn. Oh, jeez. Like, I've seen guys that look like they, they go from completely normal guys to having com- horrible anxiety disorders within two years of planning Comic Con. I was definitely saying something. You can compare that to what you've been through. Yeah, like, well, I, I, I can't say because I've never been an organizer, but the aftermath of how I see a lot of these people end up being reminds me of that shit. Like, they look kind of <laughs> shell-shocked. Like, you get done with a three-day weekend at a con, yeah, my feet's killing me. Dude, I, my voice yeah. is, like, gone. This it's, dude wants to lay down and die. And I'm just like, have a shot, please. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's fun. Like, it's it's super fun. And, um, like, now that it's on its way out, you know, I would try to recommend you know if you could you know try and go to e3 see how it is um if there is another e3 next year i feel like there will be but you know i feel like there'll be other game conventions to pick up the slack too yeah definitely um but like after you're done it's just it's so tiring so exhausting um and you're kind of like at the at the last day especially you're just you're just kind of like just done and just over it and then once it's all said and done you're happy to be home happy to be back in your bed or wherever yeah it's it's yeah it's kind of a crazy thing now going back on some of the the things that why i don't know e3 is kind of been on the down side we talked about jeff leaving we talked about i am 8-bit dropping out as the the creative organizer for the show floor um but the esa also leaked out journalists personal info last year yeah which was another big thing. Sony dropping out two years in a row, which is, you know, one of the three major players. And the other two are still there wondering, like, oh, okay, like, we're here still. Sure. And the rising giant that is PAX. Well, yeah, and then oh, PAX yeah, being definitely. being a game, yeah, more of a gaming convention as time goes on. PAX, even the, uh, what's the, the show in Germany, it's getting real big now. And uh, TGS is getting uh, big, too. Oh, PAX Down Under? Well, no. Oh, um, you talking about the Paradox Con they have every year? No, hold on, I'll look it up real quick. GDC? Because PDX gets ridiculous yeah. every year. Not GDC, right? No, it's not GDC. I'm trying to think of what else is out there in, in Europe that's like some of the big ones. Oh, Gamescom. Gamescom? Yes. Uh, Gamescom. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where yeah. they, um, Get yeah, that's where they, like, now. the last Oasis interviews. Thank you. Thank you, Krannos. 
<laughs> I was just trying to, I'm trying to think. I was like, what other yeah, one? I was like, look it that? up. I just looked up Jeff Keeley Germany and it popped up. <laughs> yeah. You know, we might need to bring Cardinals on as like a backstage editor or something for us just to hold up cue cards for us. I, I would I would love to have Carneros on one day. That would be awesome. He's got a lot of insight in the gaming industry. Yeah, yeah, Carm, we might need you as like a producer in the background to keep us from being fucked up. <laughs> oh man. Well, at least me. Tommy can vouch for that. No, I I, I definitely think there's a lot of things that uh, that could happen with E three being up up and down. Um, I am excited though for the fact that it could be an all digital thing. Like it's the stuff that I mean, even with E three, like I don't attend, um, but I love watching the the whole events and everything for it. And I'm hoping that a lot of these developers that are not going now that the the event itself is canceled, that are still going to have something digital. Like Devolver, as much as ridiculous as their their presentation always is, I love watching it just to see how ridiculous oh, yeah. it's going to be. Same. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing with Microsoft. Like this is the the launch year for PS5 and. Uh, the Xbox One X, like, so what's going to happen now? Like, how are we going to get our biggest news with that? You know, because nobody's really answered um, the questions about that. Now, well, I feel as the convention scene is kind of dying for the major video game companies, stuff like the VGAs is going to become more common, where it's really more of a showreel of what they want you to see and kind of what they want you to hear. And then also, oddly enough, reviving weird advertisement gimmicks from the 80s, like walking Pepsi cans. You think they're going to put that in these digital shows? Yeah, that's what I think. The digital show is oh, going to be more, more of a crazy high. Well, you know a few devs are going to pull it. You know they're going to try. Like, I don't want them to, and I hope they don't. And I feel I really wish there's somebody back there with a stick whacking them. But you know they are. I mean, like, for for the... I mean, not to go off of a tangent, though, or a side comment. But uh, for the, the video game wars, they kind of need that, you know? They to support them and fund them and uh you know these companies like xbox and sony they don't really need that they got money yeah exactly so i can't exactly I can't see that happening but i mean it could. well i'm talking more with the smaller dev houses like oh, you know definitely. like yeah yeah you know like i love kojima but you can tell he got a little bit of favoritism well, he's definitely got a little bit. Oh, he's he's Kojima, so yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean, like, and you've seen like dev teams come out of nowhere that nobody's heard of, getting high praise on their first game releases because they're being propped up by big individuals like Kojima and other major devs, personalities, and smaller studios that are still major household names. And I feel like yeah. they're going to be taking over the digital space while the big guys like Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo just chill in the background, do their own thing. Yeah, and to to go off of that, like uh, as someone who's attended for the past couple of years or past five years, um, I'm really sad that it is not going to be here this year. I'm sad that it's kind of going away, but I'm also really excited and really looking forward to the future and like all these digital events. Like I'm curious to see like who uh, teams up with E3 in their digital event versus like who puts on their own. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see what they do, like splitting that up. Like if it, if it's people are gonna the companies that were originally intending to do uh, their presentation with E3, I wonder if they still are going to do it because nobody's really said like if they're gonna do it or not. Like everybody said we're gonna perform a digital version, but they haven't said if they're just gonna be on their own or if it's gonna be with E3 or or what have you. Yeah. Now one of the negative things that I think is kind of disappointing about this E3 was the fact that Warner Brothers was gonna present this year, <laughs> and that was kind of a surprise. Oh, like. 
we were going to see um apparently as leaked information has come out uh they were going to announce the new a new batman game and new harry potter games i knew you're gonna i knew you're gonna say batman i just soon said warner bros i'm like batman's gonna come up oh because they were gonna do a batman a new batman release finally and it's been what three or four years since they've done a batman release now i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised if warner bros launched a birds of prey tie-in game right now okay i'm i'm I'm, for their sake i I hope not i want a third lord of the rings game though warner brothers came out 2015 so oh man five years yeah so that's been a bit But yeah, that was I still disaster. hope they do something. I still hope they do a digital event. But yeah, it would have been cool to see them like put on a, a full E3 show. Um, yeah. But, you know, of course, given the current situation, the pandemic is going up, going on right now. It's the smartest idea. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and the way like we talked about this you know, before the show went on hiatus, E3 structure is just so dated and it's just extravagant. Like they're still doing it like it's the first one every year yeah they they always have done trying to do it i mean that's part of that whole presentation right yeah i just you know they i, I they're super tryhards uh, you know i go to all kinds of expos that have been around for years that do crazy stuff like i go to a car expo in vegas every other year every two years and that thing's ridiculous and they don't do half the crap e3 does no that's that's definitely true like i mean they definitely haven't done you know that that style of it. i mean that's something that that we've yeah we've always talked about it. E3 just needs to be updated. It needs to have some kind of revitalization to make you know give um that you know feel and everything back to especially the developers that are showcasing. Like we want them to get their information out as much as possible, right? I think their problem is they focus too much on gaming press exposure and not too much uh, on community exposure. Yeah, that that's honestly the thing that's really been killing it, and the thing that is going to kill it if they don't change soon enough is that they're not like focusing too much on you know the fans and it should be like more of a fan celebration you see like pax like becoming more prominent because it is a big fan celebration you know you see gamescom becoming more prominent because it's a fan celebration as well same thing with tgf whereas exactly e3, e3 is like i mean it is a celebration but it is like so it's like towards a journalists and you know media this and that yeah yeah it's focused towards the media People relate more to seeing another Joe Schmo interacting with a game dev than they do than some article, some editor from Kotaku having a freaking interview with them. Like seeing, you know, a game dev like actually demoing his game at a booth at PAX East has a lot more of an impact than them sitting down with some Kotaku person on a nice little soundstage. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily you know, I don't care mean to call for out Kotaku like that. I'm just, you know, they're the first gaming media that came to mind well yeah i mean it's the same thing with like ign or any of these other ones right like they all do yeah, kind exactly. of something similar for it game spot all the all the all the all the established media of gaming you know holding their little interviews and stuff like i love it that e3 you know has deals with you know or arrangements with ign that they you know we got like exclusive trailers and stuff you know right on time but i just think like the exclusivity that you have to have a press pass to really talk to a game dev kind of made it feel like yeah. a little bit of elitism to yeah. the average gamer well uh carnage was bringing up an interesting point like how there used to be a summer ces and the e3 basically replaced the summer e- ces which is and they and they moved to only a january ces show which is kind of interesting yeah my I'd, dad used to build pdas i remember him talking about ces and ces but, still even for me is like a big show too because i love hearing about all the new electronics that are coming 
outside of gaming you know like some gaming stuff is is also brought in there too but the outside gaming stuff is also very very entertaining to hear about yeah that's another thing too i don't like this the separation that's happened between gaming and tech like well, well i mean there's a lot of be hand in hand there is well, i mean there's a lot of tech that's not involved with gaming at all that that definitely should be showcased separately and i i don't at all disagree with that um I just noticed, like, you see, like, more of a merge between comic books and video games than you see, you know, while they've drifted away from their original media. Like, comic books and novels used to run together, and video games and technology used to run together, but now video games and comic books have kind of, like, run towards each other in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm optimistic, but also kind of curious to see what's going to happen. Like, I absolutely still love the PAXs. I still hope the rest of the remaining PAX events this year um, continue to go on, like, as is like uh, we know that Sony pulled out of PAX East and PAX East still had a good attendance. I went to DreamHack in Anaheim. That was actually pretty good for the very first year. Um, I know of a bunch of other events are actually uh, canceled or postponed due to the current uh, climate of everything. But I, I definitely hope we, we, we kind of get back to that normal at some point with the events. Because, I, I mean, I absolutely think that gaming events still need to be in person somewhat, right? Like you can't have all the digital ones. Well, I enjoy the digital ones because they're very convenient. Um, I still do love the events I can actually go to and try out the games and talk with the developers and network with other folks and do all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm definitely curious to see what's going to happen uh, going forward with some of that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, oh, go ahead, Tutu. Um, I don't want to harp on this too much, but, you know, I was just going to say that, you know, right now, right now, what we're all going through is kind of a scary new time, really interesting time, um, you know, seeing so many events being canceled whether it's in gaming or entertainment or sports or whatnot and um you know the most important thing right now is just to you know stay safe and the fact that all these events are getting canceled is like the best case scenario right now yeah don't so, go don't go grab a bunch of your friends and go in a warehouse and throw your own e3 okay don't do it <laughs> um but i do hope that you know uh, of course like towards the summer and the fall that uh things get better out there that we can't go to these events. We can't go to PAX West and whatnot. Um, yeah, uh, it'll be, it'll be so interesting. I feel like for the gaming industry as a whole, you know, it's, it's just going, they're going to learn so much from all this. And especially with E3 being out, um, you know, they're going to save a lot of money. They're going to um, not need them or realize they don't need their asses anymore. So it's, 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 you know, Overall, scary, uh, crazy, but, um, you know, for gaming and just for, you know, living life right now, it's just really interesting and fascinating, too. Yeah, and I honestly think this is just a long-awaited breather that the industry on the con level and the development side has needed for years. So it's sad that the state of affairs had to happen to make it happen, but... I, I think there's gonna I think well I think there's gonna be a few pissed off therapists because those introverted game devs aren't gonna be stressed out as much dealing with a bunch of people. So Oh yeah. yeah. I mean there's different pros and cons for sure. I mean I, oh, I yeah. hope overall it ends up being a positive outlook for everybody, right? Yeah, I think I, I just hope this just allows everybody to breathe and like get shit together. Because these two to three month planning schedules for cons were just shoddy. So I hope this six to year long break everybody gets you know, they just able to come up with some awesome stuff. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All right, guys and gals, we're running out of time 
for the rest of today. Uh, let us know what you think of the new short format. I know it's kind of different to have us not on camera like we usually are, um, th since this is going to be mainly a podcast kind of format. Um, we still wanted to present everything on screen, kind of give you guys uh, a presentation still being on the Twitch side of everything. Um, but if there's any feedback you'd love to give us, let us know. We're here. We're in the INN Discord. We're also in the Fat TV Discord. Um, or even just at Imperium News. Uh, let us know what you think, uh, how you think of the show. Um, and we're looking forward to making some great episodes coming up. Any comments from you guys? Uh, follow us all on Twitter. Um, we usually post updates when we stream or we're doing something. And we always post funny stuff. Yeah, let us know how you guys are liking this new format. I'm really excited for uh, the future of this this new show. This is a whole new adventure for all of us together. And uh, it's going to be really fun. Can't wait for the future topics and episodes and whatnot. Sounds oh, great. We, yeah, we, we need avocado. Need avocado. We need. More, more avocado. We need avocado and cowbell. And then we'll be <laughs> all <laughs> All right, guys and gals, we're going to sign off for today. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you on next week's episode of Cartridge to Cloud.